I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Featuring devotional segments by those serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells, along with music by those who support our teaching. My name is Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Rock of Ages in Payson, Arizona. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 129. We'll begin with a segment on 1 Peter chapter 2, shared by Pastor Mark Falk. 1 Peter 2, verse 12, to God's glory. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they are accusing you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. NIV 1984 Jesus said two seemingly contradictory things. Don't show off your spirituality like the Pharisees, and then be salt and light in the world. Don't hide the light of your faith under a bushel. There is always the danger that we can emphasize the Christian life in such a way that we put the spotlight on ourselves. We pray really loud in a restaurant. We make a big show of upright opinions and holy living. There's also the opposite danger that we become such quiet Christians that no one knows where we stand or who we even are. So is it our life the world needs to see or our words that the world needs to hear? Both, of course. But even if we are not the world's best preachers and evangelists, there is tremendous value in the life that faith moves in ordinary, even quiet Christians. I take the day he visits us, that phrase, to mean judgment day. Pagans are unbelievers. In this life they may disdain the faith we espouse and even laugh at our feeble and flawed attempts to live a godly life. But then comes the day that God visits us. In the Bible, God visiting can be either a curse to, or to curse or to bless. When he visits his own people, he visits to bless. The Gospels record that on Judgment Day, the ultimate day of visitation, Jesus holds up the good works of the sheep as evidence that they are his. They react humbly to this. When did we do such things, Lord? But Jesus shows the world the, the difference between those are his and those who are not. Unbelievers will be compelled to admit that they belong in hell and that the followers of Jesus belong in heaven. They will have to glorify God whether they want to or not. None of this changes the way that heaven becomes ours. We are still fatally flawed sinners. Apart from the doing and dying and rising of Jesus as our substitute, we also would share the fate of the unbelieving world. But the redeemed ransomed children of God are a witness to God, even when they simply go about their daily living, doing ordinary things in an extraordinary faith-motivated way. Perhaps this is the truth to take away from this verse. Your life as a Christian matters, even when it doesn't seem to. If nothing else, it will become clear on the great day of visitation that Jesus is absolutely right when you hear him speak these wonderful words, Come with me, you blessed, into the eternal mansions prepared for you by my Father. The world will glorify Jesus then, even if it curses him now. 
and you, dear humble saint, will be part of that. This psalm, shared by Tracy Fedke, is based on Psalm 25. Up next, from PeaceDevotions.com, are you a good person? I remember one time putting in my contact lenses. I washed and dried my hands, and I put my contact lens into my eye, and my eye just hurt. The pain was terrible. I had tears coming out of my eyes. There was dirt on my lens. So I quickly popped it out again, and I looked at it. It looked clean. But then I leaned in close to the powerful bathroom light, 
And then I could see what the problem was. There were all these tiny little fibers on the lens. And I remembered that my wife had recently purchased new towels. When I dried my hands, I got some of the lint off those new towels onto the lens. But I couldn't see it. When I was back in the darker area, it was only when I went into the light that I could see the problem. Otherwise, it looked just fine. Many people today feel that, from a moral perspective, they're just fine. Many people will say, I'm a good person. And in the darkness of the world, that's easy to say. But the light of Scripture shows the truth. The law in Scripture shows us our sin. It reveals our dark deeds. For that reason, many people try to avoid God and avoid His Word and try to deny Him. But like that lens, there's no point in denying the truth. Scripture also shows us our Savior in the Gospel. In fact, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus knows all of our sins, but he didn't come into the world to condemn sin. No, rather, he came into the world to cleanse it from sin. And that's exactly what he has done for you. By shedding his holy, innocent blood on the cross, he has washed you clean of all of your sins. You are perfectly clean through faith in Christ Jesus. He is the light of the world. Believe in him. Amen. God's Word for You. Once again with Pastor Timothy Smith in the book of Job. God's Word for You. Job 40, verses 6 to 14. First, verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man, I will question you, and you shall answer me. This is the same question God asked earlier in chapter 38. The only difference in Hebrew is the presence of a single letter, often translated as and at the beginning of the second line of verse 7, and I will question you. Here it is translated with a semicolon, which is inserted into the otherwise identical phrase in 38.3, but it's the same wording. Now, 8 to 14. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor. Clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. God's focus now will be on Job's question about justice. God used 12 creatures from the animal kingdom and several other examples from nature to show his sovereignty and power. Now God is about to use two fantastic creatures to show his own superiority and command of justice, mercy, and all things. But first the Lord turns quickly to the storm all around Job and his friends. The mighty arm of God, the thundering voice, the fury of his wrath. Can Job understand or imitate any of these things? Like Pharaoh's magicians, Job has to keep silent. So do we. It is never our place to question God. 
When we get angry about the way things go in our lives, we have sin to blame. We have the devil to avoid. And we have temptations we need to set aside. But we never lay our troubles at God's door as if he is the author of our sin. Instead, we lay our sins at God's feet and repent. Now, back in verse 14, at the end of trying to quest, of the string of questions that Job and you and I can only answer with no, God says, then your own right hand can save you. There's the bottom line. The answer is no different in Job than any other part of the Bible. Mankind cannot save itself. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. Without God's grace and mercy, we would be lost. So we keep listening to our merciful God. We know we can't save ourselves. We admit that. We're grateful, eternally grateful, that our Heavenly Father sent His Son, Jesus, to rescue us and to make us His own. Now we ask that He teaches us to live for Him. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. Have you ever found yourself reflecting on something foolish you've done? I can't believe I did that again. I bought some jello for my kids a while back. This will be a fun treat, I thought. The fun treat ended up on the carpet, in the shelf on the fridge, smeared over the little hands that smeared it over several tiny shirts and pants. Later that evening, I stepped on a squishy, sticky spot that remained hidden during our cleanup. Never again, I told myself. The sticky mess is not worth the fun treat. Jello and several toddlers can be a recipe for disaster. Until a few weeks later, I was in the store with my little shopping helper who pointed to the jello. Can we have some of that for a special treat? Without thinking, I blurted out, Sure, which flavor do you want? How can you say no to an excitedly squeaky little voice next to your shopping cart? This time, it was green. Green on everything. Never again. There's one cliche that begs to be repeated, and that's history repeats itself. This doesn't mean that the study of history is boring. It can be, but only if you don't begin to connect the dots to today's world. The phrase, history repeats itself, reminds us that we can learn something important for today by looking at the past. Ancient Israel followed a miserable pattern in their history. They would turn aside from faithfulness to the Lord. Only afterwards, often years later, they would realize what a terrible mess they created. They would repent, be restored to joy by God's grace, and resolve as forgiven people to live anew. But history repeats itself. They fluctuated back into the same vices and evils they'd only just escaped. This happens not only with nations, but with institutions, churches, families, and individuals. Why? Sin has its hold. Temptation returns. Sheep stray. The devil seems to win the day. But sin doesn't win the day. The greatest lesson in history is God's grace. History repeats itself. There he is. The Lord rebukes. He calls to repentance. He freely restores and forgives. His patience is so great, it spans thousands of years. He did it for Israel. 
Won't his patience still be there for you? He extends it today. It is for you, your nation, your culture, your community, your church, your spouse, your children, for you. Marvel at his grace for all of us in Jesus as you begin a new day today. History repeats itself, and that includes the forgiveness that we have from the God of all grace. We'll close with a song by Chris Dreisbach. The song is called Worse Than I Thought. Perfect day, the lightest breeze, a lovely ride, birds in the trees, not a cloud in the clearest sky, life so smooth and it's all a lie. Situations worse than I thought seem so simple. But it's not There I go But here I am Can't seem to stick to the plan Just the brain with a little pill Try to find a way to pay the bill I can't be pleased with all I bought Situations worse than I thought Am I so hopeless God had to die Isn't there something else I could have tried Did I deserve all the pain he got Am I Worse than I thought I'm so sorry to have to say My three-pound brain can't think of some new way The good I wanted but the bad I got Maybe my problem Worse than I thought Aren't I special when I'm talking loud Can't I stand out somehow in this massive crowd The only hero only came to serve On the cross he took what I deserved Stylish clothes, newest car, progressive thinking, how grand we are. No peace or love, just selfishness and rot. My sin troubles, worse than I thought. But the pleasures fade as the time flies. Every motive is compromise Don't think about it if you can't stop Situation is worse than I thought Maybe it's worse than I thought It might be worse than I thought
You have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 129. This episode was first shared in April of 2018. For more information, visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. And remember his promised rest. <laughs>